I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, July 9, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Today, we're going to have to compartmentalize the market. At the end of the day, when you look at the market on the daily chart, the market really didn't do anything. The S&P 500 was up a little more than three points. The NASDAQ was up half a percent or 43 points. That actually had a good day. And the Dow was down 22 points, which is a rounding error similar to the S&P. The S&P went up at the end of the day, one of those last 10 or 20 minute ramps at the end of the day. So therefore, we're not going to count that as an up day. It was basically a flat day, but we're going to get more into that later. We're going to use the time as a learning opportunity. We can always take something away from the markets. So even though the market was basically flat today, there is a learning opportunity we can take away when we look at other charts and we will attempt to do so. But first, let's get the scope of the bigger picture. So the market took a dip down early in the day, but it bounced right back and finished near the highs of the day. We can't look at that as negative. We have no choice but to look at that as either a neutral stance or a positive stance. Why positive? Because we're above all the moving averages. The market's in an uptrend. There's nothing wrong with the market. What's on the docket? What's on deck? Well, here's what we're waiting for now. We're always waiting for something. Next up is this week's version of Kabuki Theater. We have the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who's testifying in front of a couple of different congressional committees. It's an annual event. It really doesn't mean much, but the market is looking for an excuse. It has an excuse to wait And then the excuse to wait creates the excuse to move if he says anything worthy of a move of the markets. It's a waiting game. Hurry up and wait. The bull case is he'll give the market another opportunity to go higher on some more dovish talk, meaning keeping interest rates low, lowering interest rates, whatever the market wants to hear. If it hears easy money, it's easy for the market to take that as an excuse to go higher. What's the other side of that? Well, obviously the other side of that is the bear case. We started talking about the bear case last night because we had a bear flag pattern. What a great segue to go to a different chart. We talked about the hourly chart in detail last night. Here's where we were. We were making a bear flag pattern, or we did make a bear flag pattern yesterday, and actually the bear flag pattern played out almost to a symmetrical measurement, if you will. Not quite. It played out, but what happened was the buyers stepped in. The buy the dip crowd stepped in. Let's take a look a little bit deeper about what happened and then how the market acted and reacted throughout the day and then what happened into the end of the day and why. Let's identify the first important area down below. So right there around 294.40 give or take the lows from the other day and ironically enough that price coincidentally or not coincidentally comes together with the 100 period moving average on this hourly chart. But the market never came even close to that price area this morning. So looking at this chart, 
What kind of reason would we have that the market found support where it did? If you had to hang your hat on something, you're hanging your hat on this area over here where the market tells us that that price area was important for the time being. But this is an hourly chart, and that's not really good enough. So we really, early in the day, didn't have a reason on this chart where the market would find support and immediately turn around and head back in the other direction. However, we have other tools. One of our other tools is to use a variety of different charts. So even if I go down to a shorter time, in this case using a 10-minute chart, and I take a look at where the low was, and I just go over to the left and see what was important over there. I want to see it from a micro scale. We saw it from the hourly perspective. And you can see that the market spent quite a bit of time in and around this area. But again, it's not enough of a reason why the market would immediately turn around and go back in the other direction. So we really don't have anything on the spider chart that would support the market finding support where it did and immediately turning around and going back in the other direction. But once again, we have other tools. What else did we have in our corner? We always have the futures. And early in the morning, a lot of the work for Inside the Numbers members comes from what the futures did yesterday, overnight, early in the morning. And this morning, the futures were basically testing somewhere in the vicinity of the overnight lows. Couple of points here and there, couple of points away from the overnight lows, but that's what happened. The futures rallied early in the morning, they dipped back down, so the market can give the appearance after the opening bell that it's unraveling real quick. What happens? Bears jump on board, buy some puts, the market reverses, they realize it's not going to happen, they begin to cover, the market trickles back up to where we were yesterday, and then what happened? We did the same thing we did yesterday. Yesterday we traded in this range most of the day. Today we traded in this range most of the day. And then at the end of the day, the last, let's say, 30 minutes of the day, we get the end of the day ramp. Whether that's some more short covering, some premature buying for tomorrow morning, either way, doesn't really matter what the reason is. All we need to know is what happened. The market found a low. It consolidated all day long, but that's not the only thing that happened. We have other takeaways from this chart. What actually happened was the market rallied back to fill the gap. And here's another one that we discuss all the time. So here's the gap. And what happened was once it filled the gap, it began trading away, meaning in the southern direction away from the gap. But then it came back to the gap and it started hanging around. What's that telling us? That's telling us that it's not, meaning price, is not getting rejected from the gap. If that's the case, common sense would tell us that the gap, at least from a short-term perspective, was not final destination. It trades in and around that gap for the majority of the day, and then at the end of the day, trades through the gap, leaving many traders at the altar who gave up on the market in a very, very quiet, light-volume day. Let's talk volume for a second. For this, we go back to the daily chart. The average volume, and this is based on a 90-day average, is about 73 million shares in the SPY. 
Look at the volume over the last three days, decreasing even as the market is either coming down or staying relatively flat. Is that directly telling us anything? No, it's telling us there's no conviction one way or the other. There's no conviction on the buy side. There's no conviction on the sell side. But what it also tells us is the market's quiet. Everybody's waiting. Once the market picks a direction, you're going to get a lot of traders hopping on board. It will exacerbate a move, whether it's in the upward or downward direction, you're going to get a larger move. The market is once again winding up. Is it winding up really for the Fed? Not necessarily. Think about where we are in terms of time. We just finished half the year. We talked about this over the last couple of weeks. What does that mean? That means we finished another quarter. What does that mean? That means companies will report earnings beginning next week and beyond. Earnings season generally is coupled with a pickup in volatility. It doesn't have to be, but it generally will happen that way. So the fact that we're getting into the Q2 reporting season, we can expect some movement going forward. Is the movement going to be in the upward or downward direction? will continue to pick apart the market every single day. Right now, on the daily chart, it is what it is. We have to deal with the market that's in front of us. The market that's in front of us is not bearish. It's in an uptrend. It is bullish. It is what it is. If and when something changes, we'll identify it at the time. We all know anything can change on a dime. What's going on in Camp IWM? Interestingly enough, Camp IWM was down most of the day until it had its end of the day ramp finishing near the highs of the day. What it did today was essentially bounce off the 100-day moving average. Daily chart is not bearish. There's nothing bearish about this chart. As long as it maintains price above these moving averages each and every day, closing above those moving averages, there's nothing bearish we can take away from the IWM. Again, we have to deal with the market that's in front of us. Early in the day, we began to diverge. The IWM was down, but we care about the closing prices way more than we do about how it traded during the day. The closing prints are what essentially creates the daily chart. I think it's also worth looking at some of the other IWM charts for two reasons. One, educational purposes, and number two, let's see if we can uncover anything else. Hourly chart. What did the hourly chart do? It traded up at the end of the day into the area of the convergence of the moving averages. We've seen that over and over and over again. Another thing that we've seen many, many times is The IWM failed to fill the gap early in the day. We can look at that, and we always have to look at that in two ways. Failing to fill the gap and trading away from it is weak. It's a weak market. However, when the market came back up and went for it a second, third, fourth, fifth time, that's the market's way of telling you it's not interested in the gap. It's going to trade through the gap to another place. The market is giving us feedback on a constant basis. We may not be able to do something immediately with that feedback, but as the day goes on, we can do something with that feedback based on what it did before, and in a lot of cases, what it didn't do before. In the case of the gap, it didn't fill the gap. That was actually a signal of weakness early in the day, 
But then look what happened. The market turned around. It's giving us more information. If we took action on a short trade and we see the market turn around and we see what's in front of us and we see the gap and we see that it's consolidating, not to go fill the gap and trade away, but likely to go through the gap, it gives us feedback. And in a case like that, and obviously that was a hypothetical case, but in a case like that, we're able to minimize the damage and do what? Lose small and fast if we have to lose at all. That's the objective. We're in the protecting capital business and only taking the best trades we can find business. Taking a look at the 120-minute chart, what do we see? Similar routine to the hourly, we're into the 120-minute chart, 20-period moving average. Now, if we get above that, where is it going? Well, it's likely going to either fill a gap that has not been filled technically speaking, at least from where I sit, or it's going to at least challenge that area. Remember what we just said before, and here's the gap that we're referring to. Remember what we just said. If a market has trouble filling a gap and trades away from it, we can take information away from that. Now look how far down the market, meaning in this case, the IWM, came down away from that gap. It did not fill the gap. It made an attempt, but it was not filled Therefore, at the time, it's a sign of weakness. Now, if the market comes back up to that gap, that coupled with the area of the fact it's a breakdown candle high, if we did find the IWM up there in short order, it would normally be an area we would look for overhead resistance. Now, keep this in mind. This is why we look at various different time frames. We can certainly make a case that this is bearish, okay? This is a bear wedge pattern, a bear flag pattern. We can make that case looking at this chart from this point to the right. Yes, we can. But this is where we have to look at both sides of the market. Too many people only look at one equation. In between the 120 minute and daily chart, let's look at a 240 and here's what we'd see. We can build a different case real quick. This is actually the first thing that I see on this chart because we're above the moving averages and I see bullish behavior. I do see the reversal candle, but I see that we have not been sufficiently rejected away from that reversal candle, meaning likely it's still a bullish trend in the upward direction. Whether that proves out to be the case three, four, five days from now, we don't know yet. But that's what I see when I look at the chart. Your first instinct is generally the right one. Not all the time, but generally speaking, we all know that. Moving right along, we'll take a look at the VIX. Now, here's what we have in the VIX. A couple of days ago, we had a pretty good low in the VIX. Now we're running up into what? Overhead resistance. Why? A convergence of two moving averages, the 20 and the 100 period, as well as a gap. That should, under normal garden variety market conditions, provide overhead resistance. There will likely be a lot of resistance in this general zone if, in fact, the market decides, in this case the VIX, decides to jump over this area. That's a different story altogether. I don't have an expectation of that. We just have to be prepared that anything is possible. If the stock market is trading higher and we begin to see a collapse in volatility, you'll see the VIX 
quickly below $13, or at least make an attempt to get down into the low 13s. That would be a normal garden variety retracement. What do we see down at the transportation department? It's interesting. We have an interesting chart where we're into a convergence of moving averages. We haven't closed below these moving averages. So that's one for the bull case. We put that on the bull side of the ledger. We've had a pullback into moving averages. The reason why I'm harping on this, it's important. In the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, traders will recognize the fact that this may or may not be bearish behavior. This may be bullish behavior. This may be a buying opportunity. Traders that have taken the course can identify three reasons why the transports found support today where they did and could potentially have found at least an interim low today being the low. Three reasons why it's in the course. How about the cues? When we look at the NASDAQ 100 top heavy weighted index, but yet we look at it and what do we find? We find the same thing as we find in the SPY. It's bullish. It's above all the moving averages. It's the same type of activity down early in the day, finishing near the highs. That's generally bullish behavior. That's not bearish behavior. But yet again, we're waiting on some more Kabuki theater. We should get some movement in the markets. But this in and of itself is a bullish chart as it stands today. How about taking a stop down at the financial district? The XLF is actually a lesson in and of itself. Since we have some time on our hands, let's go through a couple of things. So here we have a bull flag pattern. Now we discussed this for a long time and we said as long as it stays up in this range, there's nothing wrong with the XLF. We had something else we were eyeballing. We were eyeballing the 2747 area. Where did that come from? It came from a weekly chart breakdown candle high. The market was essentially consolidating. In this case, the XLF was consolidating to trade through that area. What do we always say about the financials? If the financials are not melting down, don't expect the market in general to melt down either. For weeks and weeks and weeks, we watched the XLF make attempt after attempt at 27.47. How did it decide to get over it? It gapped above it and then continued on. We talk about this all the time. If a market can't get through overhead resistance or can't get through support down below, sometimes it will just gap above or gap below a target price that it's having trouble with. 27.47 was giving the XLF one heck of a time. It gapped and when is this a bullish or bearish chart it's a bullish chart any way you want to look at it let's go over to a weekly chart investigate whether we see anything different we're above all the moving averages it's in an uptrend there's nothing wrong with this chart while we may run into some more overhead resistance there's no indication on this chart that anything is falling apart we need to be aware of what's going on around the markets if we get a black swan event some kind of Sunday surprise. That's another thing altogether, but we don't anticipate those things happening unless the market is indicating something's happening. Right now, markets are bullish. It is what it is. The SMH, which is the exchange-traded product that tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. Anything wrong with this chart? No. 
Again, above all the moving averages, we went real high real fast. We pulled back for about a week or so, and now we're headed back up. Today was a positive day for the SMH. It's a decent proxy for the tech space. It was up almost 1% today, outpacing the NASDAQ composite, which was up one half of 1%. So the tech sector proxy, if you will, is telling us there's no trouble on the horizon. It's giving us indications of bullish behavior. It is what it is. Are markets anticipating good comments or better said, accommodative comments coming from the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell during his testimony. Yeah, I would say that's a fair statement. What if the markets don't get what they're expecting? We're all adults. We know what that looks like. The problem is, A, you don't know what he's going to say, and B, no matter what he says, you don't know how the market's going to react until it begins to take place. In addition to the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ, you'll likely get movement in other markets as well. You'll likely get movement in the bond market. He's going to talk about the economy. He's going to talk about rates. You're going to get movement in the gold market, potentially crude oil. You could get movement across a variety of different markets. So while things have been quiet and dull for a couple of days, they may actually become somewhat exciting over the next couple of days. That's the way markets work. And that, my friends, is a perfect place to pull the ripcord today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.